Welcome to City Life Church Podcast. Our desire is that all may come to know Christ and fulfill their purpose in life. We welcome you to head over to our website for more information. God bless you and enjoy the message. with me. Uh, First of all, I just give honor to God for the opportunity to speak to you uh, out of the Word of God, and I really appreciate the trust in Pastor Steve to allow me to speak, especially when he's gone. Never know what people are saying when you're gone, you're trying to pastor a church. So uh, I like to try to honor what he's been speaking about uh, over the last couple of weeks. So I want to challenge you today to think with me and go with me through the Word of God. Is that all right? So uh, Pastor Steve has been talking about, uh, what was it? Believe the message, be the message. I'm going to tell him y'all wasn't listening. What was was he been speaking about? Okay, so I also want to just, so some of you don't know, I just love it when you talk back with me, okay? I do better if you talk back. I'll probably bore you if you don't talk back to me. And then I want to make sure that uh, you and I are tracking along together. Is that all right? And so in the word of God and in our thinking, I just want to do the best to make sure we're tracking together. So that's one of the other reasons I ask you to involve yourself with me, okay? And so because Pastor Steve has been talking about believe the message and be the message, I wanted to talk a little bit about the message too, to kind of keep in track with where we are, okay? So... um, I'm going to ask you to grab your Bible and look along with me and read. We're going to track through a couple of scriptures. Uh, I may not cover them all, but uh, I want to really kind of uh, stay to the scriptures and probably expound on them. What I'd like to accomplish today is I'd like to challenge you in your own personal life to think bigger. I wanted to allow you, ask you to allow yourself, allow God to expand your vision. Is that Okay. So one of the things that uh, I was thinking about uh, in line with this was you could live a Christian life and try to be a good Christian and still miss out on a lot that God has for you. And I was thinking, what do you think? Is being a Christian the same as living in the kingdom? Hmm. Could be. be. Should be. You can can spend your life trying to, uh, quote unquote, and this is not a bad thing, but live right. And in your efforts to live right, you can still miss a lot of what God wants to do and has done and will do. Because that's small living. That's living small, thinking small. When you are thinking small, you worry a lot about the details. And the details are important, but you and I can get caught up in them, lost in them. And we miss the bigger picture of what God was doing, God is doing. Does that make sense? So I just want to talk with you through this. And uh, uh, we're going to start with a couple of scriptures just to kind of help us to set your stage. But I just want you to think about this for a second. And I've said this to you before, but everything in life... Starts with the basics. And there are levels of things. Does that make sense? So how many of you know math? Oh, that was a bad question, wasn't it? How many of you are familiar with math? (laughs) It might be better. There is levels of math. Is that right? You can say I understand math, but if you understand it at an elementary level, that's different than understanding at a college level. Does that make sense? And so you can get two people who like math and they're talking, but one is talking at an elementary level, the other one is talking at a college level, and they're really not speaking the same language. Does that make sense? Baseball, you can play baseball at the little league level or at the pro level. It's not the same game. And you can get two people who love baseball. One is talking about peewee baseball. And the other one is talking about pro baseball. And they're not really talking about the same thing. Does that make sense? Yeah. There are levels of things. Would you agree? Yeah. 
So when we think about Christianity, I want to present to you the ideal of thought, perhaps, that there are levels of Christianity. There are levels of faith. Does that make any sense? So let me show you a couple of scriptures to get us started on this. If you have a Bible, you might go to Romans. This is not on the screen, but this is Romans chapter 1, verse 17. Now, uh, this scripture, you've probably heard something like this, but I want you to look at it with me if you can look at it, if you, don't, if you have it, because it's not on the screen. But I want you to be able, when we get done here today, to just challenge yourself. You don't have to do what Tony says. Allow God to challenge you. Okay, Romans chapter 1 verse 17 says, For the gospel is the righteousness of God and is revealed from faith to faith. You see that? In other words, the righteousness of God is revealed. You access it by faith and that level of faith takes you to another level of faith. Once you access the gospel of God by faith and you act on that faithfully, it will produce a different level of faith for you. If you believe Jesus as your Savior and you act on that, then living that out would take you to another level of faith where you have to believe at the next level. And if you believe at that level, then what will happen is believing at that level will produce a greater faith. So we grow as Christians from faith level to faith level. Does that make sense? All right. Look with me at 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. You got it? Now, if you can't see it, look on with somebody else, because I really want you to get it in your eyes. God has created us as creatures that we have to uh, use our five senses before things make any sense to us. So if you can see it while we talk about it, it'll help you. All right? 2 Corinthians 3, 18. And we all, with unveiled faces... Beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord's Spirit. We all, here's what he's saying. If you and I approach the Word of God with unblocked understanding where our understanding is not hindered, where we can see and there's nothing in the way of our understanding. That's we behold as in our, we behold with an unveiled face. That means there's nothing blocking our understanding. We can see it clearly. But what are we looking at? We're looking at the glory of God in the word of God. And as you see the glory of God, according to that scripture, you and I are changed And then we then go from one level of glory to another level of glory because we see God differently. Does that make sense? It's the challenge for us is, okay, so we've been Christians for a long time. We've been in the church for a long time. We've been doing this for a long time, trusting God and whatever it is. But the question is, are you still at the same level? When people talk to you, are you still thinking at the same level? Paul said to the church, you ought not be at this level now. It's time for you to be on meat. That's a different level. You're still doing milk. That's a basic level. Does that make sense? Now, the good thing I always love about the scriptures, I didn't write them. They challenged me too. You know, uh, I'm not the one to point out who's on milk and who's on meat. But the the statement still goes out, listen, after a while, you ought to graduate to another level. That right? So I want to share something as the center scripture that I really want to build my case around. And then I want to continue to build the case. But I want you to follow along with me. So in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, you've heard this scripture before, but I want to use it as the center scripture of what we're talking about today. And the center means this is, what we, this is what we come back to as our reminder of how we need to apply this message, okay? Matthew 6 and 33 says what? Very good. Now that we're warmed up, let's do it one more time. Ready? What does it say? 
Now, this is an amazing scripture because we know it. But if you're anything like me, you've not really thought about this. Seek the kingdom. Now, you can look at it and very simply you can say, hey, what does that mean? It means seek the kingdom first. I mean, put the kingdom first. It means first do the kingdom. Do the kingdom before anything else. Prioritize the kingdom. Yes, it does. But the scripture is talking about there are some principles and benefits and values and opportunities that are part of God's kingdom that empowers you and I differently than it would be you and I just trying to walk around and overcome the world. And if you miss out on what he's provided through the kingdom, you're missing out on 90% of the plan. Being a Christian is how you enter the kingdom. It's where it starts. It doesn't stop there. It is how you get in. Nicodemus came to Jesus and wanted to know what must he do. And Jesus said, unless you're born again, you cannot even see the kingdom. Is that right? You're born into the kingdom. That's not a decision you make. That's something that God does that happens to you and I. And when you're born into the kingdom, guess where you're at? You're at the basic level. You need milk, right? But from there, we should grow up. Is that right? We should grow up. Ephesians said grow up to the head. We should mature, right? Okay. So what I want to do is I want to look at, okay, so these blessings, these benefits, whether they are present right now or whether they are future, we are supposed to first seek them. First aim at them. First try to acquire them. First try to get in line with them and God's righteousness. In other words, God's got a way of doing things too. There's a right way in God that we have to approach it. And that opens up access to the benefits. You can get it and understand God's benefits, but approach it wrong and miss them. Does that make sense? You can approach it trying to be righteous, but don't understand the inheritance in the kingdom, and you still miss it. Does that make any sense? So, what is the kingdom? What was Jesus' message? Anybody ever thought about what are the elements of a kingdom? What do you need if you're going to have a kingdom? You need a king. Do we got one? Who is he? Jesus. I wonder if what would happen if we just start imagining Jesus as king. We got him as savior. Most of us got that down. We really wrestle with well, not he Lord. But he's king too. We know him as healer, hopefully, and some a few other things, but he's king. What else do you need to have a kingdom? Castle, a place, right? Even the United States got a headquarters for the president. Is that right? You need a headquarters. How many of you know in Revelations, the Bible says New Jerusalem is his headquarters? He's going to have a throne. Every king needs a throne. And Jesus got one. Does that make sense? What else do you need to be a kingdom? People. You got to have people. People. You are the people of God's kingdom. That deserves celebrating. You are citizens of the kingdom of God. Is that right? Now, uh, I don't know whether it's good or bad, but a lot of people are trying to get into America because they want to be American citizens. The reason they want to be American citizens is because there are benefits and freedoms. How many of you know you should be just as eager to be a part of God's kingdom? I want to get in. Because there are benefits, there are freedoms, and you and I should understand that and be bringing in aliens, foreigners into the kingdom. God is not shutting his borders. He's opening them. You got that? Kingdom needs people. What else does a kingdom need? Resources. Man, what can you do if you don't have resources? Let me put a word in there for resources that kind of covers all of them. An economy. 
Got to have an economy. The kingdom functions off an economy. There needs to be water and substance and food and money and resources that supply the people's needs. And didn't God say, I will supply all your according to. In other words, his kingdom has a lot of benefits and it has everything you need. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that those of you who don't have no money, come and buy. I always wanted, so I did myself a disservice, and I'm going to confess this. Oh, I, I faked for a lot of years. Let me tell you what I faked on, so don't hold it against me. So, you know, at Christmas time, they celebrate the baby Jesus. Okay. I'm one of them guys who never really understood that. I just kind of faked it along with everybody else. They say you're supposed to celebrate the baby Jesus. I just did it, too. Because that's what you're supposed to do, Jesus Oh, what a wonderful child. I did that too. But I couldn't understand the excitement around a baby. I got the elementary level of it. The Savior is born. I caught that. But I couldn't understand wise men coming from the east, bearing gifts, and the whole world getting excited. Until I also considered that Herod got upset. Why did Herod get upset? Because... A king was born. A king was born. And that doesn't seem to make a lot of sense until you also consider Jesus says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to preach the gospel unto the poor and so forth and so forth. And I always wonder, how do poor get excited about being saved? You're still broke. How is the gospel, Jesus died for your sins, good news for poor people? Jesus died for your sins, so you can't eat, but at least you'll go to heaven when you die. I can't see that as good news, but the gospel is good news. Do you know if it's the good news of salvation, that's why a lot of people can't hear it? Because they are dealing with other things. But if it was the good news of a king and his kingdom where the poor no longer have to be poor because he has a righteous economy that would take care of everybody and let everybody come into an abundance and have what they need for life, that would be good news for poor people. So when they got excited, they got excited because we don't have to worry about this old uh, communist depressive society that we're living in. God is establishing a new kingdom. And that kingdom is ruled in righteousness and justice. We don't have to worry about treating fairly and being left out. We enter in and we have access. That was exciting to them. Does that make any sense? So watch this. Go with me if you don't mind. Well, hold on a second. You need an economy. What else you need? For a kingdom. Messengers. Messengers. What are they going to message, Devin? That's a good one. Messengers. You're gonna... So, in other words, the kingdom has to have laws and decrees or ordinances. And someone has to carry those out and enforce those or make sure that they're known. Right? So when you grow up in the country, you learn the laws of the land and you learn to abide by them and follow those. And, you know, it's kind of like driving school. You go to school to learn how to drive on the road safely. It's not just about whether or not you can operate the cars or whether or not you can operate it within the laws. Right? So there are, there, are, there are degrees of commands, government, if you will. Government. A kingdom needs government. Wouldn't it be nice to be in a kingdom where the government doesn't shut down? Yes. Well, consider this. Let me see. How many citizens of the kingdom are here? You're in a government that doesn't shut down. Even if our earthly government shuts down, our kingdom government supersedes it and overrides it and still functions the way it's supposed to. Come on, somebody. Listen, wouldn't that make you walk around proud and not worried? The government shut down. What? No, it didn't. The government didn't shut down. My government is still active. 
But if you're living at the level of the world, it'll bother you when the government shuts down. You and I are challenged to live at the level of the kingdom where the government never shuts down. Does that make any sense? I'm walking around here in the world, all kinds of things are happening because I'm on the wrong level. I walk around in the world, I'm getting distracted because I'm on the wrong level. Watch this. You need a kingdom. You need a government. It's one more thing you need. Ah, yes. You got to have some fighting power, right? Does the kingdom have fighting power? How many remember the scriptures? The weapons of our warfare. How many of you remember this? We wrestle not, but. Listen, when you're fighting people, you're fighting on the wrong level. You got that? When you're fighting each other, you're fighting at the wrong level. You and I are supposed to be living and battling at the spiritual level, the level of the kingdom. What is happening there are principalities and powers and rulers of the spiritual world seated, the Bible said, in heavenly places, the same place you and I are seated. You are seated with Christ in heavenly places, same place you and I are seated. There are principalities and powers trying to keep you from the benefits. You get that? Come on, say, God, I'm fighting at the wrong level. Come on, you ashamed to admit it? God, I'm fighting at the wrong level. Watch this. One last thing that you do need, you need land. You have to have a territory. Got to have some land. Do you know what God wants to do when he raised you up? You and I are thinking too small. You think he wants you to open a business. But he's using you and I to establish economy. And he's using you and I to capture land. Does that make any sense? Christians ought to own land because you're buying it for the kingdom. Oh, let me show you this then. This might help you. Uh, Go to Mark. Mark. Book of St. Mark. Chapter 1. Maybe in Daniel. So we're going to track a little bit too, all right, because I got to prove a point, okay? So y'all looking at me funny. It's not because I'm going to mess with this microphone. Y'all looking at me funny because I said the kingdom wants you to own some houses. See, I think one of the things that's happening is when you live at the wrong level, you become too spiritual. Hmm. You think everything God wants to do is in the spiritual. I want you to first look at Daniel chapter 2. Chapter 2 of Daniel around verse 44 Daniel interprets Nebuchadnezzar's dream. Nebuchadnezzar has a dream about a statue with a gold head and bronze and iron and clay body parts. And in his dream, the the, uh, statue is crushed. And Nebuchadnezzar is upset about the dream. I'm not trying to tell it all theologically, so for you Bible scholars, I'm not missing it. I'm shortening it. Okay. So Nebuchadnezzar is upset, so he calls his diviners, his astrologers, and his soothsayers to interpret the dream. They come in, and they can't interpret the dream. He gets mad. He's going to kill everybody. And then the the chief uh, court justice says to Nebuchadnezzar, I know a guy I think who could do it. Don't hold on a second. Let me get him. His name is Daniel. Down in his place, he's been interpreting dreams, and I think he might be able to do it. So he goes to get Daniel, drives Daniel up. Daniel stands before the king. The king says, listen, I'm worried. I'm about to kill everybody. I need you to know if you can interpret this dream or not. And Daniel said, hold on, king. Don't kill him yet. He said, no one's been able to interpret this dream because this is not a thing that folk can interpret. But God can tell you what's going on. And Daniel says to him, the statue represented three kingdoms. The first kingdom was yours. The next two kingdoms are weaker kingdoms than yours, but they're going to take over your kingdom. You've been a great king, and God has given you all this authority, but that's not going to last. You see it? 
This is a sign of what's going to happen in the future. Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom was the Babylonian kingdom. And after that came the Neo-Persian kingdom. And then the Greco-Roman kingdom crushed those. And there were three reigns from the time before Christ to the time of Christ of different kingdoms who rule the world. Get that? So read this with me. You got it? Let's read. Now, that's a, that's a prophecy. How many of you know that those are real kingdoms that were getting crushed? That's right. And the Bible says in that scripture, if you follow that whole passage, they were crushed by a stone hewed out of the mountain. Oh, anybody know who the stone hewed out of the mountain is? Anybody know what we call Jesus? The rock of our salvation? He's the stone hewed out of the mountain. He is the one that would come and crush those three kingdoms, grind them down, and incorporate them into his kingdom. And his kingdom would be forever. Got that? Mark chapter 1. You there? Verse 14 and 15. I want you to pay attention to what Jesus' message is in this scripture, right? You ready? Someone got verse 14 to read it for me. Very loud and bold. And after John had been taken into custody, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of God. After John had been taken into custody, Jesus came into Galilee preaching. Different versions will say the gospel of God or the gospel of the kingdom of God. Jesus was not preaching be saved only. That was a part of the message. But Jesus was preaching, it's time, y'all. Now is what's happening that Daniel was talking about. If you was waiting on what Daniel said, you would be excited. If you were waiting on a king who would rule righteously and bring about justice and equity, and God had been promising that all along, and now you see Jesus walk on the stage and he said, the kingdom is at hand. You would get excited. Now is the time of what God promised. Does that make any sense to you? Come on, don't fool me. Say, I'm getting this if you're getting it. Okay, about five of you. We can work with five. Revelation chapter 11, verse 15. Come on, we get in there. We'll be done in a minute. Revelations, you know, is the book of prophecy about the end times, the final chapter, right? Amen. Revelation is telling us what has happened when it's all over. Everybody got that? That's right. Revelations is God saying, this is how it all ends. This is what you'll see in the end. Someone read for me. There it is right there. Come on, don't be afraid. Now, here's what I want to do. I know, Tony, quit making us do stuff. That's my mic crackling, I'm sorry. Tony, quit making us do stuff. Listen, I love God a whole lot. And it's my call, one of the calls I have on my life is to make sure you get his word. So when I get a chance to talk to you, I may not get another chance. I just want to make sure you get it while I can, while I'm there. Is that okay? So in order to make sure you get it, I understand how our bodies work. If you just silently try to take it in your mind, you're too spiritual. You're not designed that way. You're designed that you got five receptacle inlets to your body. One of them is your mouth. One of them is your ears. Another is your eyes. Then you have your nose and your feelings through your hands. Right? Nothing gets into the human being without going through one of those or more of those passages. Does that make sense? And it's not what goes into man that defiles him, it's what comes out of him. And if you put nothing in, and if the only way to get it in is one of those five, then what should we do? Put this in. Does that make any sense? 
So what I want to ask you to do with me, if you don't mind, is just that last part starting at the or the. You ready? Read that all together with me. Ready? This is not that spiritual, y'all. The, the Bible is saying that the kingdom of God is going to take over the earth. You're not going to be a floating being in heaven. You're going to have a place on the earth. You have a new body. You'll be translated. You'll be changed. But he's taking over the world. Oh, wow. Yeah, he is. You're reading it. The kingdoms of the world have become, which means he absorbed them. Listen, kingdom living is not about going along, trying to live beside people. It's absorbing them. I'm not trying to get along with my community. I'm trying to absorb them. What are we going to do today, brain? Same thing we do every day, Pinky. We're going to take over the world. Listen, when I sit beside someone who's an unbeliever, I'm trying to get them into the kingdom. Does that make any sense? I'm not trying to make friends with them so we can all get along. They don't benefit from that. Does that make sense? All right. Let's go a couple more places real quickly. All right. John, excuse me, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 10. Oh, God, this is good stuff. It's good stuff. Man. Amen. This is good stuff. John chapter 1, verse 10. You got it? Oh, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 10. Thanks. Somebody's listening. Praise God. All right. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 10. Someone bold enough to read it for me? Now, let me just share this with you before you read. I'm challenging all of you. I know it. God, Tony. Don't come over here. Okay. See, if you're in the kingdom, one of the things the Bible is saying is that God, if you allow God to do it, he wants to give you an inner courage. That bolsters inside of you. That makes you not socially afraid. Do you know that's what the Holy Spirit is trying to do? Equip you so you have an inner courage that you're not afraid socially. You can't win the world if you're afraid socially. Because you won't share. Does that make any sense? This is the church, the body of Christ, where we're supposed to be able to practice and grow together without being ridiculed. If I'm ashamed in my own church to speak up, how am I going to be in the world? If I can't pray out loud at church, how am I going to pray for folks in the world? Come on, somebody. Listen, you got to take faith to another level. There is emotions and knowledge and wisdom. There's understandings. There are skills. All of those things are things God gives us, but each one has its own level. Does that make any sense? And if you prosper at the material level, but you don't prosper at the emotional level, according to 1 John, your emotional level will pull your success back down. You can't prosper financially and in business and other things and not be pulled back down if you fail to prosper emotionally. What are you talking about, Tony? The writer says, I would that you prosper and be in good health even as your soul prosper. If your soul is not prospering, it'll pull your other areas of prosperity back down. How do you know that? Look at these sports players who had lots of money and lots of success, but the emotional immaturity pulled them back down. If you don't work and let God strengthen you inwardly, we won't do what he wants us to do as a church. We're too afraid, timid. All I wanted to ask you to do is read a scripture. <laughs> I promise. You must promise to not to throw at whoever reads. Okay? So I'm asking if someone, Ephesians chapter 1, Verse 10, right? Did I lose that? Someone will read it out loud. Thank you, Colin. 
when the time was right, Jesus came saying, it's time. When the time was right, he might pull together. Did y'all see that? He's pulling together everything in Christ. In other words, listen, hold on a second. Okay. I came to this church when I got here, it was primarily, y'all forgive me, a white church. Oh, no, he already did. I'm here. So when I come, I come from a different cultural experience, different background. And I come and I interrupt your way of doing it. Now you have to figure out. What do we do with Tony? He's loud. Lady told me one Sunday, you know what? I really enjoyed the worship. And she was being nice and genuine. But you clap too loud. And that's okay. That's okay. If you want to stay at the same level. You know what God does when he gets ready to grow his church? He allowed them to deal with things they've never dealt with before. See, you can get good at what you do and all of a sudden get comfortable. And when you get good and comfortable, you just maintain the status quo. We just want to keep it like it's been. And that's good. Uh, don't interrupt it. But it accomplished you nothing. As a matter of fact, according to that verse we read, the Holy Spirit is always working in us to bring us from glory to glory. He's not excited when you stay the same. So what God did, according to Ephesians, he added Gentiles to the church. You mess up Jewish worship. We're not supposed to do it like that. What are you Gentiles doing? Get back. We don't do it like that. Somebody got to do something about them Gentiles. Church, Pastor, we need to have a church meeting. We need to have a meeting to see what we do about them Gentiles. I'm not sure we want many of them in there. One is okay, but two is too many. And then we say, God, do your work through us. And God wants to win the world. But you and I got our limits and likes. And you won't let him stretch you outside your comfort zone. I've learned in my life that everything I was right about, I was wrong. All I had to do was meet one more person doing it a different way. And if you reject everything that's different, you're going to stay stuck at the same level. If you can't talk about differences, you're going to stay at the same level. Listen, you don't have to apologize because you recognize I'm black. I don't apologize because I see you're Caucasian or Hispanic or whatever. I don't go around and apologize, excuse me, oh, white brother. I don't do that. What should I call you? I don't do that. I call you a citizen of the kingdom because you're my brother in Christ and we've all been made one people. We learn our differences help us to grow and accomplish the kingdom's purpose. God wants to reach the world. He's absorbing every culture. Absorbing every tongue. Absorbing every nation. And the church is the agent for that. You're the agent for it. When God says step out and do a business, he's not talking about your business. He's talking about he wants to do something through your business. And you and I are cowarding. I can't. I can't. I'm sorry. I can't. You don't understand. I got these things to deal with. Get up. What are you doing? God's trying to expand the kingdom through you. He has finances for what he's asking you to do. How do you access the kingdom? By faith. How do you access the kingdom? By faith. Let me prove this and I'll wrap it up. Hurry up, Tony. John chapter 16, verse 33. John chapter 16, verse 33. You with me? Is this okay for you? 
Now, basically, I'm shy. I know it's hard to believe. It's hard for me to believe it, too, sometimes. But I am shy. If you watch me follow my earthly nature. I made a decision, though. The decision is I have a choice. I can live at the lower level and stay at the level of the basics. And I can sound like I'm just as educated as you talking at the basic level because we talk about math. But when it's come times to apply it and go a little further and get a little deeper, I'm stuck. I don't want to be stuck. I personally want everything God got to give me. And I want to do everything he wants me to do. I don't want to miss anything. And I want to be watchful. God, did I miss that? Some of us miss what God is doing in our personal lives because we have no vision of the kingdom. So in John chapter 16, verse 33, someone over here, read it for me loud. Thank you, sir. Where will you have many trials and sorrows? Here on earth. Where will you have many troubles? Here on earth. Where will you have tribulation? Here on earth. There's no getting around that. That's why he said it. Now, you have to understand, he was talking to people who are about to be persecuted and killed and scattered all over the world for his namesake. And he's telling them how to go through it. And this is all he got to say. I've done what I'm going to do. I want you to know these things are going to start to happen to you, but take courage. Take courage. Take courage. Have heart. Be confident. Be bold. Don't worry. Take courage. You mean, God, when my life looks like it's falling apart, you want me to take courage? Yes. When I don't know what to do, you want me to take courage? Yes. When it's stressful, take courage? Yes. Why? Because in the world, you will have trouble. Now, this is the part that confused me for the longest. Didn't make any sense to me. But I have what? I wanted to know how that helped me, God. You don't overcome. How to help me? I need to overcome. What he's doing is calling them to another level. Down here is the world. If you live down here, you have trouble. But be of good cheer because up here, I'm overcome. Y'all getting it? If you live at this level, there's trouble down there, but you're walking right over it. You don't have to stop and acknowledge it. See what they're doing to me? You only have to do that when you're in it. See what they're doing to me? Get up here. At the next level, you have access by faith to a whole nother level of living. People say, how you doing, Tony? I say, I'm on top of the world. They go, oh, you can't do that. Nobody's really there. You're faking. You're lying, right? Well, if that's the way you see it, maybe so. But I get up every morning, and no matter where I get up, I jump up on this level. And the world is raining, but I ain't coming down. In the world, they're trying to get you, but I ain't coming down. I don't care what's happening in your life. Christ is telling his disciples, learn to live at the next level. Learn to operate at the next level. Learn to expect at the next level. Because in the kingdom of God, where God has complete dominion and rule, he's already Lord over principalities and powers and everything in the universe and in the world. Is that right? He's already king. He's not becoming king. He's king right now. So I live under his authority, under his dominion, under his rule. And when something has happened, I'm supposed to look at his and try to find out where he benefits in this. And what benefits are for me in this? I told Pastor Earl the other day, hey, Pastor, listen, you have to know, I'm not praying for your healing. Because you're in the kingdom. Healing is a benefit of the kingdom. I'm praying that you access it. It's already granted. Access it. There are medical benefits in the kingdom. The doctor don't need to tell me what to do. I can access healing by faith. Is that right? Last couple of verses. Man, sit down, Tony. You ready? Colossians chapter 1, 
verse 13. And then I am asking to put after this verse, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 4 through 6 up so we can read it together to close this out, okay? Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. Now, I wanted to be clear. I'm challenging your thinking. You don't need to agree with Tony today. But I pray that God would open your understanding. Do you know the disciples lived with Jesus for three years? And after he rose from the dead and come back and tell them what he's doing, the Bible said he had to open their understanding. I'm praying that your, open, your understanding is opened. If you seek it, you'll find it. Every man must be persuaded in his own mind. And at the level you are, learn God differently. You don't have to be at another person's level. But move in confidence at the level you're at. Applying faith that way means you automatically produce faith for the next level. If you move in faith at your level, doing so automatically graduates you to the next faith level. Does that make sense? Colossians chapter 1 verse 13. Someone read it for me. Thank you, Mark. Who has delivered us from the power of darkness. Some versions say kingdom of darkness. Translate it. You didn't even see me. Translate it. What are you at? I'm right here. You didn't move, but I'm not here anymore. I'm in the kingdom. Just that fast, I'm out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Just that fast, I accept Jesus Christ as my Savior. You're in the kingdom of his son, who is the king, who will provide all of your needs according to his riches and glory. You operate as a citizen of the kingdom. And the Bible says you and I are fellow citizens. Is that right? Hi, brother. Hi, neighbor. Every one of us are holy people, royal priesthoods. What that means is God is training up kings up under him to know how to rule the territory they individually are assigned within his kingdom. Ownership is occupying for God. Does that make any sense? When you own a business, you contribute to God's economy. The Bible says when you want to give into God's banking system, you give to the poor. And if you give to the poor, you lend to God. You just got a loan repayment coming back to you. That's the kingdom. If you and I were to walk at the right level, I guarantee your life would be different. If you and I was to contemplate, God, I've been living at the same level too long. Show me the next level. I guarantee you, God will show you things you've never seen before. He'd blow your mind. I guarantee you, if you have faith to trust that what he says overrides every other law and principle, and you trust what he says, not what you feel, not what you witness in your past, but you trust what he said, he will blow your mind. Last verse, Ephesians. Do you have that? The worship team can come up. Listen, for a time, in the amount of time we have, we don't have time to take you deep as we need to go. You have to read your Bible. So we behold, with an unveiled face, the glory of the Lord in his word. As we look in it, we are changed. How do I know if I'm changing right? I'm not reading his word. There's no way to change to that level. If I'm not reading this word, I need to understand who he is and what he's done for me. I need to know, God, how do I stretch my thinking in this particular area? How do I move beyond my own borders? They sang this song today, give me faith without borders. How many of you know there's a kingdom of possibilities and there's a kingdom of impossibilities? And which one did God say we live in? 
In God's kingdom, everything is possible. Nothing shall be impossible. I don't think he was just playing on words. I think he meant that. In my kingdom, nothing is impossible. Does that make sense? So Ephesians, do you have that? Can you put it up? Don't have it? Ephesians chapter 3. You have to read with me. Praise God. See how good God is? He even do electronics. I wanted you to see this verse because it's the message version. And this was Paul's prayer for the church as he began to contemplate and after he had told them what his call was to get the message to the Gentiles. So this is his prayer and this is my prayer for you. And what I'm hoping is you and I will grab a hold to what he's saying in these verses and begin to take them to heart and let God do what he's saying he wants to do in this verse, okay? Would you read it together with me? Let's stand. As she played, we're meditative. And I heard in in the worship service this morning, you were in God's presence this morning. Man, God, I could see it. Do you know the power of living there? It won't always be a feeling like you had this morning, but you can live there. So as you contemplate on the goodness of God you experience in worship, let's read this. And then we'll hear a little of this song and we'll close out, okay? You ready? Read with me. All this is proceeding along lines planned all along by God and then executed in Christ Jesus. When we trust him, We are free to say whatever needs to be said. Bold to go wherever we need to go. So don't let my present trouble on your behalf get you down. Be proud. My response is to get down on my knees before the Father, this magnificent Father who parcels out all heaven and earth. I ask him to strengthen you by his spirit not a brute strength but a glorious inner strength that Christ will live in you as you open the door and invite him in and I ask him that with both feet planted firmly on love you'll be able to take in with all followers of Jesus the extravagant dimensions of Christ's love reach out and experience the breath test his length Plumb the depths, rise to the heights, live full lives, full in the fullness of God. Thank you for listening to City Life Church Podcast.